Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Hello. Welcome to the Faith in Kids podcast. Jam and I, we are buzzing for this because it's the final episode. We're not excited to finish. We are excited to be with you again. Jam, on a scale of one to ten, how excited? Seventeen. <laughs> which is which is just about right because these are seven sides of the secret king. And this is episode nine of the seven. <laughs> and in a way, it just shows us that Jesus in John's gospel is just being abundant all the time. He over-delivers. So here we go, over-delivering, episode nine of seven. Here we go. Uh, Please, let's do a whip-around question. I'd love to hear the best ways to show you're pleased to see someone. So maybe it's a hug, maybe it's a handshake, but maybe there's a better way of doing it. Can I give you an example, Jam? Mm -hmm. For a number of years, we've had quite a strange greeting that only you and I do. I haven't prepared you for this, Jam, but let's see if we can do it live on air. Jam, how the doodle are you? Very diddly well. There you go. That's a secret. It's like a secret handshake, isn't it? Yeah. It is. What is the best way to show you're pleased to see someone? Talk in your cars, in your kitchens. What can you come up with? Make it up or what do you actually do? I hope that was a happy conversation. And one way I like it when someone's pleased to see me is they say, hey, it's so good to see you. Here is some cake. That's a very good. I've baked you a cake. That's a really good way to show that you're pleased to see me is cake or biscuits involved. I think cake beyond biscuits or bacon anyway. Could I say, I think one of the saddest things in the whole world is an empty cake tin. Oh, yeah. Especially if you thought there was some cake in there. The reason we're talking about surprising, exciting ways to show someone you're pleased to see them is that in today's story, Peter chooses the best way ever to show he's pleased to see Jesus. 
But before we get on to the story, Jam, for the final time in this series, please, will you take your massive brain, will you take it out of the wheelbarrow, will you plug it in, and will you teach us Jam on John? Bible scholars reckon John wrote his gospel on papyrus, uh, which is like an early form of paper, in about AD 80. And maybe it's a bit earlier, maybe it's a bit later. But the problem is that papyrus doesn't last like paper. It certainly doesn't last 2,000 years. And so therefore we don't have the original document that John wrote about his best friend, Jesus. We've just got copies, which is brilliant. But here's the cool thing about John. We have a really, really, really old bit of a copy of John's Gospel that goes back maybe to 100 AD or 125 AD. Somebody found it in a market in Egypt in the 1920s. They bought a whole load of random papyruses and one of them turned out to be a nearly 2,000-year-old bit of John's Gospel. And you can go and see it if you go to Manchester to the Rylands Library and you will find papyrus P52. There you go. Theologians have managed to make it a bit boring by giving it a number. Papyrus P52 is nearly 2,000 years old, and it's a very, very early fragment of John, and it's actually the earliest New Testament bit of document we have uh, for the whole New Testament. So we have a bit of papyrus with a bit of John's Gospel on it that we think is written within one lifetime of John writing it. Absolutely, yes, we do. And Jam, do you promise you'll put a photo of it in the show notes? I will put a photo of it in the show notes. Thanks so much, Jam. You've made my day better. Would it be okay with you, Jam, if I fun-facted you? Please do. I would like that very much. Today we're thinking about a moment when Peter was fishing. So I just thought I'd tell you four ways of fishing that I think are really exciting. Because if you're thinking fishing is boring, you've heard nothing. (laughs) Firstly, ice fishing. Ice fishing is where you're an Eskimo, you drill a hole in the ice and you put your fishing line through the hole. That sounds okay until I discovered a world of fish houses. So you wheel your massive warm house over the hole on the ice and you can live in your little house with your hole in the ice for weeks, just fishing all the time in an armchair in the warm, even with a fire while you fish through the ice. Wow. I mean, that's like having your meals fresh delivered, isn't it? It's there (laughs) under the ground. That's better than Deliveroo. That's better than a takeaway. That's like fresh fish just down there. Oh, I'll just have another one. Put the rod down. Here we go. Put it on the fire. Can I tell you about catfish noodling? This is a way of catching a catfish where you find a catfish and you stick your arm down its throat. In other words, that's how big its mouth is. So you drag it out of the water using your own hand as the hook. And normally, you're going to have to be fully underwater to do it to find one. That is catfish noodling. Catfish noodling? Oh my goodness, that is... Wow. I'm assuming they don't have sharp teeth. Otherwise, presumably, you'd only do this once in your life. Yeah. Next is something I've actually seen happen, and it's trout tickling. I know this sounds, I know no one is going to believe it. I've seen this with my own eyes. It's where you lie on the side of a river and you stick your hand in to a place where you know trout hang around on hot days and you tickle the underside of its belly and it goes into a trance-like state 
And then with a flick of your wrist, you throw it behind you onto the land. There you have caught a trout by tickling. With your bare hands. That's amazing. Big in continental Europe. I've seen it in France. Last one, remora fishing. Fishermen in some parts of Africa use a remora suckerfish. Now, if you look up a remora suckerfish, half its back is like a giant sucker. You know that when you've got like bow and arrow suckers that you, it's got yeah. a giant sucker. So you essentially, you tie your line to the back of a remora suckerfish. You throw it into the water. It then sticks itself onto a much bigger fish. You pull it in and the remora suckerfish pulls you in a massive fish for your dinner. Wow. Just, just rinse off the suckerfish and throw that bad boy back in. The question is, how do you catch the suckerfish to begin with? Ah, you, no, can can you know. tickle it? You know, can you catch that by tickling or to using a fish to catch a fish? You can imagine the fish, the bigger fish that's been caught, looking at the suckerfish just going, I cannot believe you've betrayed me like this. Come on, we're fish. We're meant to stick together against these guys. Right, I think we should have our reading now. And we're going to hear from the last chapter of John, where Peter decides to go fishing. And we'll find out what happens. Later, Jesus showed himself to his followers by Lake Galilee. This is how it happened. Some of the followers were together. Simon Peter said, I'm going out to fish. The other followers said, we will go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. They fished that night, but caught nothing. Early the next morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the followers did not know that it was Jesus. Then he said to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? No. Throw your net into the water on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they did this. They caught so many fish that they could not pull the net back into the boat. The follower whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Peter heard him say this, he wrapped his coat around himself because Peter had taken off his outer clothes to fish. And then he jumped into the water. The other followers went to shore in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. They were not very far from shore, only about a hundred yards. When the followers stepped out of the boat and onto the shore, they saw a fire of hot coals. There were fish on the fire and there was bread. Then Jesus said, Bring some of the fish that you caught. Simon Peter went into the boat and pulled the net to the shore. It was full of big fish. There were 153. Even though there were so many, the net did not tear. Jesus said to them, Come and eat. None of the followers dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He also gave them the fish. Think how Peter must have felt when his friend Jesus was arrested. I think he was frightened. He knew the religious leaders were out to get Jesus. Would they go for his followers next? In his gospel, John tells us how Peter followed Jesus as he was marched into the house of the high priest. It was dark and cold, and Peter stood there warming himself by a fire. But people recognised him and said, Aren't you also one of that man's followers? 
Peter must have been scared because he would have been arrested next, he thought. So he said that he didn't know Jesus. And he did it three times. Worst of all, Jesus said he'd do this. And Peter said, never, no, I'll never say I don't know you, Jesus. But that's what he did. We all feel like Peter sometimes when we know we've done the wrong thing and Jesus knows. Maybe we've taken something that doesn't belong to us and hidden it and no one knows, but we do. And we know Jesus has seen it all. Maybe we cheated on a test at school or spread a mean rumour about someone and no one knows, but we know. And we know that Jesus has heard it all. The weird thing is that we can go to Jesus and say sorry by praying to him. But we don't want to. Because we've let him down. Because it feels rotten. I remember one little girl who'd done something wrong. She told a lie and it was discovered. There were tears and shouts and many, many more tears. And there was time spent alone in her bedroom And she was told that when she was ready to come down, she could. But she didn't want to come down. She spent a long time in that room, away from everyone else. She couldn't face the people that she'd upset. Do you think Peter felt like that? Embarrassed to face the Jesus that he said he didn't know. Three times. There's no coming back from that, is there? Well, in the last of these signs, we see Jesus isn't staying away from Peter. He's there on the shore while Peter's out fishing. As it turns out, Peter's fishing trip is a disaster. They don't catch anything. So Jesus makes it all better for his friend Peter, abundantly, brilliantly, better just like we keep seeing in John's gospel with gallons of wine huge baskets of bread and now all that fish a boat sinking net breaking amount of fish Jesus is amazing and we're not we get it wrong we say the wrong thing we do the wrong thing and when we tell lies or steal or hit our little brother when mum's not looking It's like we're saying we don't know Jesus. But it's okay, because we can go back to Jesus. Because he's already there, waiting for us, providing for us, caring for us. I think Peter realises this when he sees the man by the water and realises it's Jesus. So he puts on a cloak because he'd been fishing naked, maybe just in his pants, which is pretty bonkers. And he dives into the water and swims like mad to go to Jesus, to be with him. Because it's okay. In fact, Jesus has breakfast there for him, ready to go. Breakfast on the beach. Is there anything better? We can be like Peter, diving off the boat, swimming like mad to Jesus, knowing that everything's okay between us and that we can have breakfast on the beach with him. So whatever it is we've done or said or even thought, we can turn back to Jesus and we do that by praying. 
Let's do that now. Ed, could you pray for us? Yeah. Dear Father, I thank you that Peter shows us what it looks like to be forgiven. We don't stand in a strop. We don't hope it'll all go away. We dive into the lake and get to Jesus as quick as we can. I thank you, Father, that Jesus doesn't just mumble, it's all right. He gives us breakfast. I thank you, Father, that Jesus forgives. I thank you. He does it with a smile. He does it with kindness and love. He does it with a big hug. I thank you, Father, none of us need to stand in a strop. Thank you, Father, that you welcome us home where we're loved and forgiven. Thanks, Father. Your love is massive. Amen. Jam has got questions. Under fives, how did Peter's fishing trip go? Did he catch anything? Fives to sevens, why was Peter so pleased to see Jesus? Eights to elevens, when did you last need to say sorry to Jesus? And how did it feel? Over elevens, what stops us going back to Jesus to say sorry? Press pause if you want to chat now, because we're going to keep going with a sketch. Here's a conversation that takes place after our reading. Just imagining. 151, 152, 153. We really did catch 153 fish. What a catch. I can't believe we managed to haul it all in without breaking the net. <laughs> oh, but we did. We didn't. Or at least you didn't. Didn't I? No. Remember, this guy on the shore says to cast our nets on the right side and we had this massive catch. Weird we didn't recognise Jesus at first. Like we were blind. But then Jesus caused us to see. Like that man born blind. And I said, it's the Lord. And you went nuts. You put on clothes and then dived in the river. Talk me through that. I don't know. Well, as you know, I like to fish in my pants. Yes, maybe that's what frightened off the fish in the first place. And then when I saw Jesus, I just wanted to be with him. Even though, you know. I know. I made a huge mistake that night. I want to deny Jesus three times. An even bigger mistake than Thomas. And Jesus made it right with him. So when I saw him, I was was just overcome. And so... You abandoned us to do all the hard work. Yeah, sorry about that. Well, I couldn't help myself. I I just had to dive in. And there he was, with fish already, which is kind of weird. Not when you remember he could feed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. I suppose. And there was the charcoal fire, like that fire that night when I denied Jesus when he was arrested. Three times. Yes, three times. All right, John, you made your point. Move on. Jesus has. That's the wonderful thing. Jesus made it all right. Yep. That's the thing with Jesus. When you mess up, you go back to Jesus and say sorry, and it's all better. So, what are we going to do with all these fish? Hungry? Not really. Just had a big breakfast with Jesus. Shame. Fresh fish. Who wants to buy our fresh fish? Have you seen the sign showing Jesus is the king? Have you seen the sign?
Have you seen the sign by Michael J. Tinker? Links to that song in the show notes. And have a look around when you click the link and find lots of other stuff that you could listen to in the car now that we are on our final episode in this series. We love hearing from you. Thank you for sending them to us. Uh, we've got here uh, Rachel and Bethany in Glasgow. You normally listen to it in the car on your way back from swimming lessons. Keep on swimming. Isn't this the perfect story for you? And also, just quickly... We've got these brilliant children, Shepherd age six, Rocco age four, and Caleb age one. They're loving listening to this series. It's your favourite thing to listen to on Car Journeys in Devon. Jam, how much do you wish you are in Car Journeys in Devon with Shepherd, Rocco and Caleb? Well, it feels like I already am and it feels brilliant. Then in that case, keep singing the songs, answering the questions and soaking up the facts. It is brilliant to hear from you. Beth and Tom, keep on doing it. Lovely to hear from you. Jam, if we want to hear from them, who do they email? Podcast at faithinkids.org all the way well this is the end of our seven signs of the secret king all nine of them and i hope you've really enjoyed it i've loved every minute of it because i love the gospel of john and what it tells us about jesus what have you loved ed you know what i've loved most is this episode what we all take away from this is don't just stand in a grump in your pants dive on in and get yourself to jesus as fast as you possibly can We've learned who the king is. He's no longer secret. Swim to him. Get to him. He loves you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Under fives, how did Peter's fishing trip go? Did he catch anything? Fives to sevens, why was Peter so pleased to see Jesus? Eights to elevens, when did you last need to say sorry to Jesus? And how did it feel? Over 11s, what stops us going back to Jesus to say sorry? Sorry.